There are, there are many practical truths that we can glean from in God's Word, and this is one of my favorite uh, examples in the Bible. I don't necessarily want to use the word story, although the Bible is composed of 66 books filled with informative information of stories that actually took place, but whenever I look at Joseph and his life, and from the beginning of his life and down onward towards the end, there are ups and then there's downs. There are ups and then there are downs. And that's, it's a good picture, really, of the Christian life because there are sometimes uh, we face difficulties and adversities and oppositions. And some of these older brethren in here can give you some, some stories of difficult times that they faced. Not saying that you might be in here younger, near more close to maybe our age, for example, and that doesn't mean to say that you haven't dealt with things or problems, but as you go on and as we continue, there are definitely things that we will have to face and endure that they might not necessarily had to during their time. So it's good to be prepared for that. Genesis 39, we'll read the entire chapter beginning at verse number 1, and then we'll stop reading at 23, and we'll look at a couple things. There's the Something specific within the chapter at verse number 21 that we'll get to and we'll cover that after we read the whole chapter, but then we'll back up after reading and then look back at verse 21. Verse 1 at chapter 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. There it is. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he had to prosper in his hands. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house. And he had put all that he and he had and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. And the Lord had blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. Verse number 8. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all things to my hand, or all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass that she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him within his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of the house, of her house, and spake unto them, saying, 
See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. Verse number 16, And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. It came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass that when his master heard the words of, of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Here it is again. But the Lord was with Joseph and shewed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph, Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was with, or he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him again, and made that which he did, the Lord made to prosper. I was looking whenever I was reading a few seconds ago, and I noticed that the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph twice. And then at the end of the chapter, in verse 23, the keeper of the prison looked not anything that was under his hand right here because the Lord was with him and made that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. And so I want to just just glean some truths from the life of Joseph. And so in verse number 2 and then 21, the Bible both saying the Lord was with Joseph. So I'll pray and ask for the Lord's help. Our Father, we do thank you for the day, the night, the services. Lord, you know that I'm in need of your help and your grace and your guidance and We're so thankful for the truths of the Word of God and the examples that we can look at to even help us in our day-to-day practical lives as we serve you. We do thank you for your care and your forgiveness, your provision. Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom and mercy and grace for the message, for the hour and the time is at hand. Help us, Lord, to love thee with a heart that would be affectionate and true, dedicated to your Word. Thank you, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord was with Joseph. We see in in the the beginning of Joseph's life that a few chapters previous that Jacob dwelt in the land of Canaan and he was a stranger in there and his children had all been born. And the story of Joseph begins with Joseph dreaming a dream. He dreams this dream about sheaves bowing down and sheaves falling over and the sun, moon, and stars and all these all these. Uh, signs, I guess you could say, in his dreams. And really, it was, I believe it was a revelation of God communicating future truths that would come to pass in the days in the life of Joseph. But I don't necessarily want to glean practical truths from necessarily the dream, but look at how Joseph handled certain situations. And it might be a blessing for you because we're all going to be faced with this. Now, you're not going to be faced with Potiphar's wife. You're not, you're not going to be faced with that. But you will be faced with temptations as you go off in your, in your daily life. You're going to be faced with these kinds of things if you haven't already. Uh, it's not something that you don't already know. But it's just something that you could take from and it would help you. Now, you see whenever in the beginning of Joseph's life as we travel down through here, he's having the, he has these dreams. 
And then later on, his brethren are over there and they're feeding the sheep. And the father of Joseph sends him down to go and check on his brethren. Now, Joseph's brethren, uh, they were God's chosen people. They were, they were descendants of Abraham. They were sons of Jacob. Uh, they're, you know what I mean? They're, they're, as far as God beginning his work and spreading his people out and, and populating the earth and ultimately the lineage of Jesus Christ would come through these people, that is Judah specifically, but I'm talking about Joseph and his brethren. Uh, anyway, so Joseph goes and he checks on his brethren. He goes and he, he checks on them. The father sends him to go and look on the welfare of his brethren. And anyway, so as his brethren see him coming, they, they, Joseph's brethren despised him. They were wicked men. They, they, they were wicked men. Some of them more wicked than others, and some of them had a heart, more of a heart towards Joseph than others. And at the end of the story, of course, they repent, and the, Joseph, and they get right with Joseph, and all that stuff takes place. But in the meantime, they see Joseph coming, and they say, Behold, this dreamer cometh. And so they cast Joseph into a pit and they decide what they're going to do with him. What, what's going to take place with him? What, what are we going to do with him? Uh, and anyway, so they decide not to just outright kill him because they are related by blood. And so the Ishmaelites, they says, come, let us sell him into the hand of the Ishmaelites. And of course, they sold him. And, and you know the story. You're familiar with the story. And it's not necessarily the story that I want to put the emphasis on, but it's the truth that you can glean from the story. It's the truth to glean from the story. Okay, so after all this, the Ishmaelites take Joseph into Egypt. So they take him into Egypt, he goes into Egypt, and then he's brought down into Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh. And so after his brethren, after his brethren um, has put him into the pit and send him away, then he goes into Potiphar's house. But I'm going to stop for a minute because this thought comes to my mind. And when you're commissioned of the Father, when the Father has a specific task for you to do, whatever your task might be, your task might be different than mine, but whatever task the Father has committed unto your hands to do, you might as well get prepared and get ready for opposition, and especially opposition with your family members. Joseph had a specific task that was, that was given unto him from the Father to go and check on his brethren. And you, as a Christian, have specific tasks that are given to you. Now, he said it in the class that God's not going to ask you to cut off a giant's head, but you are required to be faithful. And that's what God expects out of all his children, that is all his children be faithful. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithfulness is an important thing with the Lord. But anyway, so you see that Joseph had... Uh, uh, he was commissioned to the Father to go and do something. Now, whenever you're dealing with your family members, especially when they know that you're in service to the Father, you're always going to face opposition. There's always going to be discouragement. I had a family member of mine the other day pin me up in a corner and talk about our church and how there's only a few people there and good luck with your 15. I mean, we're talking about vehement, vehement anger of, of my family members. And so and I look at this truth and... This is why I'm gleaning from this, because this is practical. It's, it's, it could be implemented into your life directly. My family member with vehement anger is, is telling me, good luck with the 15 people that you go to church with, because it will always be 15. 
It'll always be 15. It'll, it'll, it'll always be that way. No one will ever want to come there. No one will ever want to be there. And it'll always be that way. And my response was, is I would rather be with the 15 than with the rest of the world. Because, and I use Noah as an example. See, because I'm not interested too much in the world, but there was eight souls that got on the ark. Was it eight? Was It was eight souls, correct? Eight souls got on the ark and the rest of the world perished. So I would rather be with the 15 than with the rest of the world. And maybe that might be a message I might preach one day. But anyway, so we're talking about Joseph's life. The Lord was with Joseph. Now you see in his story that he was rejected of his brethren. He goes to Potiphar's house and now he's faced with, with uh, an obst- another obstacle in his life. Okay, And when we read these stories in the Bible, we read them so quickly and after we read them, it's, it's, it's something that is easily glossed over. and But we forget that these people were subject unto like passions as we were or as we are. And so you see that Joseph is right here and Potiphar's wife comes to him after these things that Joseph, in verse number 7, after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master worth not that is with me in all this house, and he committed all the acts of my hand. Now I want to stop right there. Joseph didn't, this thought came to my mind, I wrote it down. Joseph didn't let his circumstances determine his service, okay? He could have said, now it, didn't, it wouldn't have made it right, it wouldn't have made it right, but he could have done it. He could have said, well, I'm conquered, right? I mean, he could have said that. He could have said, you know, my brethren have forsaken me. I don't know when I'm going to see my family again. I mean, all these thoughts could be going through his mind. He's taken from his family. He's a younger man at this time. I mean, a lot of us who are are even a little bit older would have caved under pressure. I guarantee you that. And we would have looked at our circumstances and we would have been discouraged. But Joseph didn't let the circumstances determine his service. He didn't, he didn't try to justify the reason uh, for why he could have been unfaithful to his master, with his master's wife. And he could, he could have said that. He could have said, you know, my family's forsaken me. I don't know if I'm going to see my father again. I don't know what's going to become of me. Where, where is my family at? My brethren have, have thrown me into this pit. And he could have reasoned with that within his mind is what I'm saying. But instead of doing that, he didn't let his discouraging circumstances affect the outcome of his service. He still had a desire to be faithful to God. And we're going to be faced, you're going to be faced with temptation. It's just an inevitable thing. You're, you're going to be faced with it. And so the wonderful thing about it is, is Joseph is, could be one of them, them stones. Joseph had character. Joseph was alone with his master's wife. I mean, he, he, you know what I'm saying? He was alone, he was alone with her. You know, he could have did that, and, and hypothetically speaking, he could have did that, and the story could have been totally different. God rec- could have recorded it a different way, and you still could have learned from it. But what I'm saying is, is it was just him and his master's wife. But he says in verse number 8, that there is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. wife. Right here. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You know, Joseph could have blamed God for his circumstances. He could have said, you know what, my life is ruined. The, 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 my life has been totally destroyed. I mean, what else do I have to lose? I mean, I'm already at the lowest point of my life so far, even as a younger man. And, but you see in the chapter that, early in the chapter, that the Lord was with Joseph. That the Lord was with him during those, those times of opposition and discouragement. 
The Lord was with him during the difficult times. And the Lord, if you're a child of God, the Lord is with you during the difficult times that you're going to face as well. It's a discouraging thing to know that your family despises you, especially for your service. It's, it's a discouraging thing to know that. But see, whenever we get saved, we get a new family. We get a, we get a, uh, we get a new life. We get a new inheritance in whom we have an inheritance of the saints of light. He has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And so as a Christian, we receive all that, you know, if you read in, in Ephesians chapter number one, as a child of God, there's like 21 things in there that are packed full of resources that you get as a believer. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us abundantly with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so there are so many things in whom he hath redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know, Joseph didn't have that. Did you know, you know, Joseph didn't have Ephesians chapter one? And I still get discouraged, and I have Ephesians chapter 1. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. I mean, we have more than what they did in their time, and they were, they're stronger than we are. I read about that, and I see those mighty men of valor who didn't get discouraged. They didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit of promise. They were not sealed with the Spirit of promise until the day of redemption like we are. Now, they eventually got it after the sacrifice had been made. But their sins were not paid for. And the book of Hebrews is explicitly clear about that. But I'm talking about the Lord being with Joseph and, and what could have went through his mind. And I see, and, and it wasn't a process of one time. She just, she just came one time. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was, uh, it, was, it was over and over. You know, you're going to be tempted over and over and over and over. And you have to be able to resist that. I'm not saying that you don't. I'm not saying that you can't. That's not what I'm saying. But this is meant to encourage you, to strengthen you, to res- resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh unto you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and cleave to those promises that you have. And I see that Joseph didn't have any of those things and yet he still wanted to be faithful to God. He did not let his circumstances determine his service or his outcome. And that's an encouragement to me. But look right here, verse number 10. And it came to pass that she spake to Joseph Day by day. You know, it doesn't, day by day, it was a reoccurring thing. It, was a, it wasn't something that just happened one time. Joseph was able to just kind of brush it off. I mean, day by day, it happened. Day by day, he's tempted with this. He gets tempted. I could just, I could just imagine it. He gets tempted the very first time by Potiphar's wife, and he goes and he, and he admits, and he says this, and she didn't receive it in the beginning, but how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? But I could just imagine him going to his house and, and thinking in his mind, like, like, this is my master's wife. This is, this is, this is, this is my master's wife. I, I, I can't believe it. And I'm just talking about things that, that we face. He's subject unto like passions as we are. I mean, he endured things just like we do. And this is something that really happened in his life that he really had to overcome. But you see in verse number 11 that it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. And so I find it really interesting that as Joseph continually uh, is getting tempted that he doesn't fold under the pressure and, and whenever we're in Egypt, we're going to go in Egypt. We're, we're going to go out in the world. I mean, we got to go out to the world. I mean, we're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Okay. So a practical type and application. We're, we're going to, we're going to deal with Egyptians in our daily, day to day life. 
whether or not you know it's in a foreign land or wherever we're going to go, we're going to deal with the gypsums in our day-to-day life. And a good, a good verse to keep in mind is, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And Joseph, whenever I read that, over and over, he's resisting the temptation. I preached a message a couple, a, a couple days ago, the practical application of the Scriptures in light of the temptation of Christ, about how Jesus Christ resisted temptation and he used the Word of God to do it. And Joseph had a love for God, and a true love for God will keep you from the time of temptation. Now, I'm not saying that we're not going to fail or... Uh, you, you know, and I'm not saying you're going to overeat. I'm tempted to overeat. I ate too much spaghetti today. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about minute temptations like that, right? I mean, um, uh, or a little discouragement, but I'm talking about grievous, I mean, ministry-ruining temptations, uh, causing a reproach on the name of Christ and on the church and all that stuff. So whenever I look at this and I read that and I see that the Lord was with Joseph, even in the midst of his discouragement. Now, later on in the chapter after that, Joseph does the right thing here. Joseph does the right thing. And he withstands the temptation and then Potiphar lies on him. And that's true. And, and that's, that happens today. People get lied on today. But what happens is, as you see later on in the chapter, he gets thrown into the prison. But it says again that the Lord was with Joseph. You know, if you're going to be able to withstand temptation, then the Lord's going to have to be with you. I had a friend of mine who I had a friend of mine whenever I first started coming here. I had a friend of mine that was coming here, okay? And I would visit, you know, very frequently, but I would, I would see someone get up and point their finger at people and tell them that they're all wicked, everybody else needs to be living right, uh, uh, and portraying this facade of Christianity. Now, see, I didn't know better at the time, so I was just sitting out there and I'm just going, okay, well, you know, I mean... Whatever. I mean, I didn't know any better, right? But I, you know, and so when someone's, and, and all I'm saying is, is if, if you're going to be able to preach to people, and I tell my wife this, even in private, if you're going to be able to preach to people, you better have things in line because God despises that. And so the Lord was with Joseph. And so whenever I seen that and I would go, okay, well, I, I would look at that. And if, if you're going to be able to withstand temptation, the Lord's going to have to be with you. Because if there's not a true love for Him down within the depths of your heart, you can only resist for so long. You can only put it off for so long. And eventually you'll cave. Eventually you'll fold. Eventually it'll happen. I don't remember that verse exactly, but I'm sure you can tell me. But it's talking about preaching. Lest I preach to others, I myself shall be made a castaway. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that I need to be careful in the things that I do and the way that I conduct myself because I don't want to fail. I don't want to fall. I texted Brother Jacob Thompson the other day. I just sent him a text message and I said, Brother, okay, it, was, it was whenever Brother Doug was talking about preachers and people falling under temptation. You know what I'm saying? He was talking about preachers and all that stuff and going through temptations and what happens when people fall and fail and people are looking at you and all this stuff. And I said, Brother, I texted him. I said, Younger believers like us are looking at you and we're watching you and we appreciate you. Please don't fall into temptation. You know, of course, you know, we're texting back and forth and all that stuff. But all, all I'm saying is, is that's a true thing. And that's a very true thing. But the, I see, and whenever I glean practical things from Joseph's life, is the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, in verse 21, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, turn over to Matthew chapter number 8, uh, and we'll look at verse number 24. I just want to look at a, another truth in this matter. 
Matthew chapter number 8. Now, that scribe, that scribe comes to Jesus and he comes to him and he's talking about how he's wanting to serve him. And he tells him all these things and he sends him away. But in verse 23, when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. So his disciples are going on the ship. And in verse number 24, And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and said, or his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the seas obey him? And sometimes, just if I was to pause right there and just make direct application to my life, there's times whenever I'm in the sea, I'm I'm on the boat and I'm on the sea and things are windy and I I don't know how to react. Uh, I don't know necessarily what to do. And so when you don't know what to do and you make a move anyways, you end up making a mistake. You end up making a mistake and doing something that you shouldn't do. And so you see that the Lord was with them on the ship even though... There arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. So Jesus was with them during their difficult times. He was with them on the storm, during the storm. He was with them. And so, in verse 25, his disciples came to him and they said, Lord, save us, we perish. So, obviously, there was fear that was within them. This is, this is something that we just read so quickly, but even, even when I'm not on a boat in a, in a big old storm and thunder's coming my way, I get nervous and I'm not even on a boat. And so he mentioned it a minute ago in class, but about Peter, and Peter got off the boat. But when he took his eyes off the Lord, he could have, he could have walked right up to Jesus, not took his eyes off the Lord, and continued on walking. But he took his eyes off the Lord. And when you and I, we collectively take our eyes off the Lord, we're, we're going to fall into a place where, where we begin to sink. Where we begin to, because we, tr- we end up trusting in ourselves and our ability and, and what we can do. And so you see that in the story that... He said unto him in verse number 26, why, and why are ye fearful, O ye little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea. There was a great calm. So, in times, in the difficult times of these people's life, the Lord was with them. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph after he got out of the prison. You know, after Joseph got out of the prison, and just turn there, just turn there. It'd be better to turn there. That way we can, we'll look at it together, and that's okay. Uh, turn over your Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 41. Turn back to Genesis 41. We'll just look at it together. It's good to, it's good to preach it and quote Bible verses and all that's good. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong, but sometimes it's good to turn there and interact with the Bible and just look at it for ourselves and uh, things of that such, okay? And so Joseph is in prison and he interprets a dream. In the previous chapter, Joseph is in prison and he interprets a dream. The butler and the baker. And he interprets the dream correctly because after he, that the butler and the baker get out of prison, one is hanged, that is the baker, and then the butler is restored into his office. And then after that, then Pharaoh is troubled with dreams. So Joseph's still in prison this time. I believe he was still there for about two more years, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. But two more years? So he was, he's there for two more years. And so after that, so these people have a dream. And at the end of the two full years, the Pharaoh dreamed a dream. In verse number one, he stood by the river. And so Joseph's still in prison right now, but Pharaoh dreams a dream. And essentially, 
to summarize the dream, there's going to be four. There's going to be seven years of of good growth, and I mean, there's plenty full in Egypt, but then there's going to be seven years of famine. So seven years of growth, seven years of famine, and it's a dream, and God shows Pharaoh this dream. Well, the chief, the chief butler remembers Joseph that he, inter- hey, there's this guy who's a Hebrew who's in prison right now, and I remember that he interpreted my dream correctly. And so I'm going to tell Pharaoh, I mean, my wrong, my wrong be upon Joseph. And so you see that he said, hang on, right here, he restored the chief baker and the butler. I'm sorry, no, that's not the dream. But anyways, it's somewhere in here. But the butler remembered that Joseph had interpreted the dream, okay? And so the Lord, remember, the Lord is with Joseph this entire time. Verse 11, okay, okay, verse number 11. And we dreamed a dream. Yeah, you're right. In verse number 11, we dreamed a dream. And one night, he and I, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation thereof. And there's a young man, verse 12, in Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard, and told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams to each man according to his dream he did interpret. And so you see that this man got his dream corrected and interpreted. Uh, and then so he goes and he tells Pharaoh. Long story short, Pharaoh's, I mean, Pharaoh's, the, I mean, Pharaoh's the man in Egypt. I mean, Pharaoh is like the guy. He's, he is basically probably the ruler of the known world at this time. And so Pharaoh dreams this dream. He sends, he calls for Joseph. Joseph interprets the dream. And so after he interprets the dream, Joseph becomes number two in the land of Egypt. And so he goes from from rejected of his brethren, which is a wonderful picture of Jesus Christ and him being crucified, how Christ, he came into his own and his own received him not, but as many as that received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Jesus Christ was rejected of his brethren. And as Joseph was rejected of his brethren and cast into a pit, Jesus Christ was rejected of his brethren, crucified on Calvary, died and buried and rose again the third day from the grave. So it's a wonderful picture of Christ coming out of the grave. That is the story and the life of Joseph. It's a picture of the resurrection of Christ. Though, And then he comes up. And anyway, it's not a perfect picture, but you understand what I'm saying. And so, anyways, Joseph interprets the dream and he does this marvelous work. And so his brothers end up needing him coming down from, from Canaan because there's corn in Egypt. And so the Lord is with Joseph this entire time. And, and there's a process, and Brother Glenn's been telling us about this the last couple of times we've been visiting with him at his house, that, that there's a process. Joseph just didn't wake up one day and he was the king in Egypt. I mean, he didn't, there was a process in time where he had to go through some things. There were some difficulties in his life. And so we see that Joseph, he was exalted to a, a prominent place and preeminent in the land of Egypt because the Lord was with him. Because the Lord was with him. And, and he didn't do that by himself. It wasn't, it wasn't something that Joseph just did by himself, but the Lord was with him. And I was reading, and keep going, we'll just, we'll just keep going. We're just traveling through, just gleaning some things from the life of Joseph. Turn, turn to chapter 44. So he interprets the dream, and after that, the Lord's still with him this entire time. Okay, The Lord is still with him the entire time. Chapter 44, And he commanded the steward of his house, Fill the men's sacks. His brothers have come from Egypt, or from Canaan to Egypt, to receive corn. And so, and he did according to the word of Joseph. And so they come and buy the corn the first trip that he tells one of his brothers, you're going to stay here after, you're going to stay here, go send your brethren, and I'm not going to release him until you bring the younger with you. And so I believe it was Reuben. I don't know if it was Reuben or, 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 or maybe Reuben or Simeon, but it was Simeon. So anyway, long story short, so he comes and he says, hey, you're going to have to take my kids because I told the man that if I don't bring my younger brother with me, then, 
then he's not, he's not going to release him and let him go. And so Jacob says, okay, send him because, I mean, he's desperate, right? I mean, there's corn over there in Egypt. And so Canaan's going through a famine. So long story short, in the transitional period of Joseph's life is he goes and then Joseph sends him there and he sends him back and then they come back again and the cup is in Benjamin's sack. And so long story short, he sets him up and then he brings him back. They're all servants and they're all worried now. They're all scared and they're all worried. And this is how the Lord used Joseph to bring them to the place of fulfilling the dream that we mentioned in the beginning of the message. And so his brethren are all there and then Joseph reveals himself and makes himself known now, there's speculation of that, but you, if you were a Jew, you could identify yourself and it could be a proven thing if you were a Jew. I won't spend too much time going into that, but Joseph revealed himself to his brethren. And so, and they believed it, I believe, based upon not only that, but his mark. I mean, anyways, long story short, we see all those things. But Joseph, as, as this story is going on, you see that the Bible said that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord, the Lord was with Joseph. And, and so, but it doesn't, there's no messenger that, that says that the Lord, the Lord's with you, Joseph. The, the Lord is with you, Joseph. So you just be, don't worry. Here in a couple, here in a couple years, you're going to be second in command in Egypt. Don't worry. Everything's all right. You just keep going. Joseph didn't have that. He didn't have someone to tell him, hey, you, you're, it's okay. You, you know, he, he didn't have that. And so what I want you to understand, if you can glean anything from, just this brief thought, it's nothing special, nothing super other than the Word of God. I didn't really have too many times to compile notes, but I still want to turn to Romans. But what I'm saying is, is, is Joseph gleaned truths from the Scriptures as it pertains to your life. Joseph endured temptation. He endured temptation. You and I are going to have to endure temptation, especially if we go out in the world. I mean, it's, we're, we're, we're going to have to endure it. And I think we're strong enough to endure it. I mean, I really do. I, th- I think that... There, 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 if, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, I believe there is no temptation that's taken you but such as common a man. But God, who is faithful, shall make a way of escape for you. He's not going to tempt you above that which you're enabled. And so if there's any way that I can help you or, or uh, uh, put forth a message to encourage you is, is to be like Joseph. Because you're going to have to go to Egypt. I mean, it's inevitable. We're, we're, you're going to have to go to Egypt. Now, I'm not talking about the bondages of the world. I'm just talking about... In a practical sense, those that are saved, born again by the Spirit of God, are God's people. In this day, it was a physical covenant. And so physically, these are God's people. It's a spiritual covenant in these days. And so I don't have time to go into it. Romans chapter 2, 28, for, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, but that which is one inwardly, who circumcision is the heart and, and all that stuff. I don't have time to go into that. I'm not going to talk about the spiritual aspect of the new covenant as it pertains to being God's chosen people in our day and time today. But what I am saying is that we can glean practical truths from this that you're going to have to endure Egyptians, especially being out there in the world. You're, you're going to have to endure those type of people. Now turn over to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. And then, I'll, uh, and then we'll read this and look at a couple more things and then close. Romans chapter number 8. If I can find it. Okay, Romans chapter number 8. Now, let's look at, starting at verse 28, okay? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Now, that's really, really easy 
to say that verse. Now, you want to be a comfort to people. You, you know, if someone's going through a difficult time, it's really easy to say, well, you know, all things work together for good, them that love God, them who are called according to His purpose, and, and all that stuff. It's really easy to say that. It's easy to say that when, when you're not the one who has been sitting in a jail for the last 14 years, 13 years. It's easy to say that to someone who hasn't been rejected by their brethren, who hasn't been uh, despised by his family. It's easy to say that. Well, all things work together for good, right? And so what I'm saying is, is Joseph didn't have the promises as it pertains to the Word of God like we had. Of course, he had a special relationship with God. He was a chosen vessel. But what I mean is, is he didn't, if you can just grab that truth, just grab that truth from, t- from tonight's thought. Just, he did not let his circumstances affect his outcome. Because you don't want to do that as well. Because there's going to be days where, where you're not going to feel saved all the time. But you don't operate on the way you feel. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Sometimes you don't feel saved all the time. But if you operate on how you feel, then it wouldn't be good. So, but keep going down through the text though. Verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now the key part... In verse 29 is whom he did foreknow. He foreknew these people. It doesn't say for whom he chose. There are chosen vessels. There is election. Election is a Bible doctrine. But he says right here for whom he did foreknow. So he foreknew those people that would believe on him. And so based upon his foreknowledge of those that would believe in him, them he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren right here. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called, then he also called, then he also justified, then he also justified, then he also glorified. Right here. What shall these thing what shall then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, God was for Joseph. You didn't just become you just didn't become uh, a father to Pharaoh just just because, especially an Egyptian, because the Egyptians and the Hebrews, I mean, it was abomination. I mean, them, they, they had customs in their day. And those Hebrews and those Jews could not, even before the law. I mean, we're talking about the Egyptians had specific customs that didn't allow them to, to do certain things together. And so if the Egyptians had that, but then he says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And you know, if you're saved here tonight, God is for you. Did you know that? If you're saved, God's for you. He, he's, he's for you as a child of His. He's for you. And who can be against you if the God of heaven's for you? Now, people might not like you, you know, and you might not be too popular in the world, but popularity really, Jesus wasn't popular. Now, he was a popular figure in the sense of he was doing good things for people, but people only loved Jesus because he was doing things for them, not because they just had a love for him, not, not because, because whenever they were following him around, and he said, you're just following me around because you want bread. He said, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but which the Son of Man shall give unto everlasting life. And so what I'm saying is, is Jesus wasn't too popular either because and the end result of his life is they crucified him. But as we keep going down through here, verse number 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Right here is good right here. Again, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? That's reassuring whenever, whenever lost people try to condemn you about something that you might have done whenever you were lost. Something that you might have done in, in, time, in, in time past. And you might be discouraged with it. And the devil might get on you about it. And the devil might attack you over it. But if you're right with the Lord, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? 
And I'm thinking about that even at this moment as I'm going down through and then I'm closing, but I, I just I, I wanted to get somewhere for a specific reason. I was thinking about it is God that justified, who is he that condemneth? You know, Jesus Christ in his in his life, in his earthly life, he through death destroyed him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. And so Jesus is, is the victor over death, hell, and the grave. You know why you can be victorious? Because Jesus Christ was victorious. And so, right here, who shall anything to the charge of God's elect? Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, and is risen again, even who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Right here. And this will help you, especially if you get discouraged, because I get discouraged all the time. But this will help you, because I read this, right? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Or, pers- or distress, or persecutions, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sore. When, when I, and I look at myself in, that, in, that, in those brief verses, when have I ever had to face anything like that? When have I ever had to face persecution, or tribulation, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Never. But in verse number 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, right here, this is what I want to get to. In all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things in present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so whenever I read Joseph's life, and it says that the Lord was with Joseph, and I imagine, um, I just think in my mind, I think in my mind of what all he endured. You know, he endured all those things and he did not have Romans chapter number nine. You know, you and I have Romans chapter number nine. I mean, we have, Abraham didn't have anything. I mean, whenever, whenever I'm going, having a bad day, I, and I, it encourages me to bring my thoughts under the subjection of what the scriptures tell me. Bring every thought into captivity, the obedience of Christ. But see, Abraham didn't have that. I'm walking around here. I'm walking around here. He called me to Haran, and I haven't heard God's voice. And I mean, since I was since I was uh, 72, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm almost 99 years old, and he hasn't talked to me in about 14 years. He keeps telling me I'm going to have a son, but I don't read anywhere in the Bible where Abraham did that. You know, you and I probably would have did that. But it says in the, in the scripture that Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So in our lives, understanding that these people did not have what we have today. And so we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so the next time you get discouraged, the next time you deal with uh, some sort of adversity in your life, remember that. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? And so whenever I read that and I look at that and I see that the Lord was with Joseph, that encourages me, that strengthens me, that helps me. Because I know that if Joseph had to endure that, during, through all his persecutions, through, through the rejection of his brethren, through the, uh, through, through the pit, through... I mean, the travel to Egypt. I mean, the Ishmaelites. I mean, who knows what else happened to Joseph that we didn't even hear about in the Bible. But what I'm saying is, is you can take these truths and you can glean from them. Next time you're tempted, you know, you can say, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Temptation cut off. You've slayed the giant's head off. You've cut. That's the giant that you face. And, I, and I'm almost done. And I'm done. And then I'm through. Whatever giant it is that you face, you're walking into Canaan land. You see all them big old giants right there. Now you have two options, okay? You're, in a, you're walking in a land full of giants, all right? You have two options. You can either be a Caleb and you can be a Joshua or you can be like those 14 spies and you can see your adversary. You can see that giant right up in front of you. And here, here you have a choice. You have an option to do this. You see those, you see those giants over there. The, the children, the sons of Anak. Now you can either say it's too, it's too much for us. We're grasshoppers. We can't do it. 
Joseph didn't do that. The Lord was with Joseph. So Joseph said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so you know what that does? And whenever, whenever you're faced with that temptation, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You just cut the giant's head off. And the sons of Anak, you just, you just dismantled the son of Anak right there. But then you got another son. About 20 steps, you're going to have another giant to face. And then after you kill that giant, you're going to have another giant here in about 14 feet. you got a big one that's coming right towards you. And so all I'm saying is, is when I look at the Scriptures, the Lord was with Joseph. And that was encouraging to me. It was a blessing to me. So, but uh, I do thank you. I thank you for, uh, I thank you for uh, visiting today and showing up. I mean, it is important to show up. And it was encouragement. It was a blessing. I thank you for the, the time and the fellowship. That was really, uh, really a blessing. Um, this, this, today, usually whenever I preach, I like, to, I like to compile notes. I like to take my time, you know, because I'm going to get judged for everything I say. And some, whenever I first started preaching, I said some stupid things. And so whenever I realize that Jesus says that I'm going to judge you by every idle word that you say, and so whenever you preach, you start kind of wanting to slow down and write some things out. So I'd rather be judged by my notes than judged by my thoughts. You know what I mean? And so I just wanted to be an encouragement to you. I didn't really have too much time to prepare. I wanted to rest today. So I thank you for coming out and visiting with us. Brother Bell's going to be back tomorrow, Lord willing, hopefully. So I'm really encouraged to see him on Wednesday. So I know you are too. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for the day. We pray that as we learn lessons from the life of Joseph, that you would help us, Lord, to be encouraged, knowing, Lord, that you are with us. Lord, help us in our lives to glean truths from examples in the Bible of what they did and how they faced things. Lord, please help us to serve you with a love, Lord. We pray that you would help us to have a, have a holy, genuine love for you. We're so thankful for you dying for us on Calvary. We pray that you'd help us, Lord. Strengthen us, please, because we're in need of your help and your assistance. Lord, help us to be more faithful to you, Lord. If there's any spirit of discouragement or, or doubt or uh, lack thereof, Lord, we pray that you'd remove that from us, remove that hindrance from us, that spirit of discouragement and doubt. Help us, Lord, to be faithful unto you. Lord, we pray that knowing that the battle is yours, help us to learn truth from your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.